0: We're on an 11-week series um, that's taken place. As you know, if you've been here um, um, every week, that uh, in January we started a um, series going through the book of Ephesians. And as we're going through the the book of Ephesians, we broke it into four different series, and we're talking about the believer's family. And uh, we will be done by the end of the year in regards to the believer's family. But I just want to point out the direction of where we've been and also the direction of where we're going, because uh, sometimes I could go in shock and say, whoa, I've been going too slow. I'm not going to finish. <laughs> and you'll see a response to that this morning as I'm preaching two sermons this morning rather than one. <laughs> Don't worry, it won't take me an hour. I'll still do it in 30 minutes. But anyway, just where we've been. Uh, the first week we talked about in September the importance of marriage, or importance of a strong family. And uh, we pulled a lot of passages out Deuteronomy before we even made it to the passage in uh, um, Ephesians. And then we talked about the purpose of marriage, which is sanctification. Uh, the backbone of marriage, which is submit to one another. You see the top of the passage, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And then the author doubles down on it and says, wives, submit to your husbands. And then husbands die for your wives, which means submit on steroids. But submission is a word that is driving the passage. Therefore, it's the backbone of marriage the lead in marriage. What is the lead? It's the head. The head is the Savior, which is the husband. And then you have the conflict in marriage, which would be hurt. We saw in Genesis um, the conflicts that are taking place in Adam and Eve that are still in us today. And what does Ephesians tell us to do is to be washed. The conflict in marriage part two is in regards to hunger, which we talked about last week. Love as you love your own body is the focus that we should be doing in Ephesians um, as uh, hunger is there in all of us. And then um, this morning we're going to talk about the completion in marriage and the foundation of marriage, which we move into a passage in Genesis. For this reason, leave is the two words that we're going to be talking about today. I'm going to go to Africa next weekend and we will not be here for two weeks, and then Pastor D will be taking um, the pulpit and he'll be preaching. And, um, but when I come back, we're going to talk about leave and, or cleave and then one flesh all in one sermon and then the mystery of marriage, which would be Christ and His church, and then that will move us into the next passage in regards to raising our kids, which I think I only have time for one, (laughs) and then we'll move into um, how to respond um, in our workplace. Um, So as we're looking at this, I encourage you to consistently come back and uh, to get um, the entire entire, um, perspective of the passage. Um, just because it's all just one sermon, seven hours long. <laughs> We're just going from one to the next. And, and if you haven't listened to the previous ones, I really encourage you to listen to the previous ones as they kind of do flow together under this one passage. So let's read the passage's entirety, and, and then the underlines is the words that we'll be focusing on this morning. Ephesians 5 21 through 33 says this Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is a Savior. Now as church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish, but holy and blameless." In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it, just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and a wife must respect her husband. Number one in her notes, marriage is completion. Marriage is completion. When we look at this passage, it's evident that um, Paul knows the Pentateuch, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. In fact, he might even have the Pentateuch memorized. And so as he's talking about marriage and perspective of the cross and perspective of Jesus... I think he's also thinking about um, way back when in Genesis, when Moses wrote the book of Genesis and put into pen of what marriage is. It's on the forefront of his mind, and the reason why I believe it's on the forefront of his mind is because right inside of his passage, he pulls this passage from Genesis. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife and become one flesh. That is in the book of Genesis. So if we want to understand that statement and that comment, we do need to travel back to the book of Genesis and to see what is going on in this passage. And the reason why is you look at the three words and it says, for this reason man should leave his mother and father. Did Paul give the reason on the top or is for this reason anchored into the book of Genesis when everything first started? For this reason... Comes inside of the book of Genesis, so we need to look back to see what it says. Genesis 2, 18 through 24 says this The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and had taken out of the man and had brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she is taken out of man. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. When it talks about for the reason, you're going to find it at the top of the passages. You find it in verse eighteen. The Lord God said, "It is good. It is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him." What is a helper? A helper is one who has something to offer. Helper is one who has something that you might not have. A helper suitable for him would be a helper is someone that uh, you might um, need uh, to be even complete. Helper is one that provides strength, provides power, provides will, provides mission. What happens, God created us with design defects. And what I mean by that is that we're not completely and entirely strong enough even and can even more powerful, more strong in regards to the connection of husband and wife. That's why she is called a helper. That's also why Adam responds in the concept that this is bones of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of me. In other words, she has come from me, but she's not quite exactly like me. There's some different things that is with her that is not with me. And then when I see her, I even see the completion of me. Some things that I do not have, she has, as she is my now helper. See, what happens there's differences in genders, differences between male and, and differences between female. And it's under God's design because God, did remember, he's the one that designed marriage. And as he designed marriage, he put it into our hardware of how to connect, how to be stronger how to live, how to be woven inside of a relationship that would carry the power that our children need, that would carry the power that our country needs, and would carry the power that our, our, our world needs as well. So I made them different so together they would be stronger, together they'd be more effective, together they would be more powerful. Now, when you look at the differences between male and women, it's like, Male and female, it's it's like well, that's what we always argue about. (laughs) We're always arguing about the differences, but the differences there are not there for us to argue about. The differences there are the differences to make us stronger and to make us more full. It's filling up the gaps that we do not have. Let's just look at a couple differences, and these are differences in regards to just communication. Here, men use 10,000 words in a day, and women use 25,000 words in a day. They did this with data. I mean, they just tried to explore men, explore women, and say, okay, well, we're different. You know, oh my goodness, women, they speak more. They did some studies um, of children, uh, little girls and little boys, and, and what they did is they, they put a little girl in a room, and they gave her a whole bunch of toys, a dollhouse and dolls, and just a whole bunch of toys to play with, and then they had cameras on her, and they watched her play with her toys. And as she was playing with her toys, you know how she'd play with her toys? Is she would um, talk with her toys. It was like living in this fantasy world, but one doll would talk to the, another doll, and then the dolls would talk as they walk into the doll houses and the doll rooms, and then she would talk with the dolls as they were sitting there playing. And, and then they would count her words and try to figure out what was going on in her mind, and, and they noticed that she talked a lot. Then they looked at the little boy, and, um, and they gave him a little truck, they gave him little play guns, and they gave him all the little toys that were attracted to him, and then they observed him, and, and he was not very verbal. In fact, he made more noises than he talked. You know, vroom, boom, bang, 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 you know. He'd make all these noises as he was playing with the toys, rather than talking through the toys that he were using. So by nature, God put it into our system. And this is not, you know, data... Would show. 10,000 words come out, 25,000 words come out. Why would God do such a thing? <laughs> the reason why God would do such a thing is because we're stronger together, and he's making us different to be stronger together. Let's continue to go on. Men believe that talking is for information. Women believe that talking is for interaction. You know, I don't have a lot to talk about because I can only put so much information in my mind. So after my mind is full of information, I don't you know, necessarily need to, to talk a lot. But my wife, women talk about for interaction, the connection that takes place, and the strength that takes place through communication. Now, that's a new to me when I first got married, but in the process of being new to me, I start growing into it, and I start thanking her for it because we have a relationship, <laughs> because all I wanted was information from her, where would her relationship be? But as she is building a relationship with me as she is talking, then all of a sudden I'm starting to build a relationship with her through communication. We're different. We want to argue about it. We want to fight about it, but there's a design to it. Men use communication to solve problems, and women use conversation to build relationships. Men feel better when they solve the problem. Women feel better when they talk about the problem. I mean, husbands, have you ever heard your wives say, will you just stop trying to fix it? <laughs> I mean, um, I don't know how many times we've said that in our relationship, but if I did, I wouldn't admit. Because it's going to be a lot of times that my wife says that to me. Because if she's coming to talk to me, she's coming to get a solution. <laughs> so I think she's not thinking she's coming to get a solution. She's coming to talk to me for the purpose of connecting with me. But I think, well, if you're going to tell me a problem, then you obviously want it fixed. And then I'm extremely if she responds to me um, with, don't give me a solution. Because I gave her an awesome answer. I gave her a beautiful answer that she will not accept. Well, all of a sudden I'm mad because you know she doesn't want my advice, and she's mad because I won't talk to her because, you know, she wants that relationship. Um, to see, we're two different individuals for the purpose of connecting and being stronger. Men feel better when they solve problems, and women feel better when they talk about problems, that's the one I already read. A man often gets frustrated by all the details because he feels they are not necessary for him to find a solution. A woman enjoys providing and hearing as much detail as possible because the conversation is therapeutic to her. Um, conversations are not necessarily therapeutic to me. I learned a lot when I, I got married, but in the process of conversations being therapeutic to my wife, it then builds me up in as a stronger person. I'm completed as a result. Men often don't listen because they... Are looking for the bottom line, women enjoy the process of getting to the bottom line. And sometimes men just go, How long is it going to take to get to the bottom line? But that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to live for our wives rather than for ourselves as you're in this conversation. Men assume problem solving occurs in logical order. Women talk about a problem randomly and in great detail. When stressed, men push away without talking and silently think about what is bothering them. When women are stressed, they instinctively need to talk out loud about what is what is bothering them. And a man often gives great solutions and then is offended because his wife won't listen to his great advice. Women talk about problems to get close, not to even find um, solution, a solution. So you can see that as we're looking at this, it does not apply always to everybody and not in all corners, uh, of our life, but as a whole, um, this is the application we are we are definitely, definitely different individuals. Genesis one twenty seven says this: so God created man in His own image. In His image, God created him, male and female. He created them. Look at the re- the pattern of this verse: so God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him which would be singular and this is often what we think about when we think about the image of God is that we are created in the image of God but then he makes another statement male and female he created them I created him but all of a sudden male and female I created the them according to the the King James passage what's it talking about a human reflects to God his own being and that's what is being created in the image of God is you reflect to God his own being. When God looks at us, all of a sudden he sees pieces of himself inside of us. That's what it means to be created inside the image of God. And when God made man, he said, I have created man and I see myself even inside of them. I see my image reflect off of them. But this passage, male and female, he created them, is also saying that man and women together reflect the image of God. Even more so than I would say man alone or even woman alone reflect the image of God, but the process of them being together, there is a wholeness that is there that reflects the image of God. You know, when you have Paul, Paul says, you know, it's, it's better not to even marry. Why would he say it's better not to marry, but yet two of them together reflect the image of God? The reason why is because if you get into a marriage, you're going to have to forgive a lot. What's that doing? Reflecting the image of God. You need to have mercy a lot. What's that doing? Reflect the image of God. You need to sacrifice a lot. What's that doing? It's reflecting the image of God. Everything that we're doing as a couple is proclaiming exactly who God is if we're doing it correctly, because it is going to demand that we are Christ-like when we become married, and as we it is demanded that we're going to be Christ-like when we become married, the whole world is going to see us. And what I mean the whole world is going to see us is that when you have children, they walk, look, watch you like a hawk. And they don't listen to all the words, they see all the behavior, they see all the action. And the question would be: do they see the image of God? Because when two come together, There is an image of God that must be demanded if the marriage is even going to survive. Because, of course, you'll be given more mercy, more sacrifice, more commitment, more forgiveness when you're married than even when you're not. So what are we going to do about it? Letter A, don't fight about the differences. Celebrate them. The differences are there, and we often can get very frustrated with the differences. But he made male and female, and for this reason they should be connected— because they are different, they need to be different. So you look at male. Male are determined to deliver the goods, and females are often um, different. They value intimacy even above action. So you see somebody that's just willing to deliver the goods, make it happen, accomplish it, go after it, very task-oriented. And females in general, wives in general, they value intimacy even more so Um, than action that takes place. Well, you can be frustrated with the opposite, but the opposite's not there to be frustrated with. The opposite is there because your children need the opposite. You need the opposite. The world needs the opposite for the purpose of being stronger. They need one who is delivering, one to deliver the goods that carries that passion, and one that values intimacy above action because things are going to take place, but you can take it and leave it behind if that intimacy is not there happens is that God has put us, made us different for us, again, to be stronger. Men are more apt to take chances, and, and uh, ladies are more apt to seek security. Um, I remember um, numerous times in my life that um, I'm always, let's do this. Let's make the kids do this. Let's cl- climb this mountain. Let's raft this river. And my wife would speak sense into me and say, you know, our daughter is only three years old. And I said, what, do you want me to wait a year? you know, I'll wait a year till she's four if you want. And, you know, I, I would push her and my children as far as I could. And I thank God that, you know, she spoke sense into me. And, and one time she did not win because um, we did take our daughter at four years old on a three-day rafting trip. And we got caught into a windstorm. And uh, in the process of this um, windstorm, uh, my youngest daughter, who was four, I got pretty paranoid uh, in regards to the wind that came through the canyon extremely strong, took our tent and laid it on the ground. And as it laid it on the ground, my youngest daughter was screaming, my blankie's in the tent, my blankie's in the tent. And, and I'm like, we'll get your blankie, it's no big deal. You know, I give her the blankie and, and uh, she, my wife reminds me, maybe she was too young way back then at four years old. I say, yeah, but look at her now. Um, but she slowed it down because I would have done it at one if it was not for her. But anyway, we're put together. For the purpose of being stronger, for the purpose of giving our children what we need, for the purpose of maybe slowing me down, absolutely slowing me down as I'd be task-oriented. Act. Men are more um, active and aggressive, and, and uh, women desire um, equity and, and submission. And when I say equity and submission, I just a woman wants to be a man's equal. That is correct, but an equal of very special kind at a deep Fundamental level, she has a strong desire to be led, protected, and cared for. Um, this is what's inside of the lady. Yes, ladies are, are leaders. Ladies carry power. Ladies carry strength. They, they carry leadership. Yes, they change the world. But they have something inside of them that my wife and I even talked about—a desire to be led, protected, and cared for. And, and if we are in the woods, there's no way that I put my in front of me and say make sure that if anything happens, make sure you take care of me. (laughs) I mean, that would be an insult, but she's no way going to be in the front and say, well, make sure that um, um, I'll sacrifice so you can live. She doesn't function that way. Why? Because God put it into her hardware to function in such a way of male and female being together. Men are often competitive and and dominant, and and women are um, often more connecting, wired to connect um, with others. And of course, we need We need both of them, and in the process of having both of them, we file off of each other's edges, and it makes us even stronger. The other thing that it does that even makes us more connected, throughout marriage relationships, men pull their wives into more of a sexual relationship as longer the marriage takes place, and wives pull their husbands more into an emotional relationship. Um, Yeah, I don't like to say that, and I don't want to admit it, but I also sit there and I can't watch all the movies that, you know, the chick flicks that my, my daughters and, uh, watch and my wife watches. And the reason why is because I'd be the only one bawling in the room sometime because it's, it's ridiculous. I was never that way. I mean, I was always the person that was as tough as could be. And, and all of a sudden, I have a wife and two girls, and my heart is all now broken. And I'm involved in this emotional relationship. And I don't want to be an emotional relationship, I want to be a tough relationship. You know, it's against our nature. But, you know, when you look at it, it's like, ah, it's strong, it's good. It's healthy. And as we're living together, we're making each other in this process. For this reason, male and female are connected. Now, that's not what the world is saying nowadays. The world is saying nowadays is just find a lover. It doesn't make a difference. Male, female, just you can find a lover. That's not God's design. And, and the design is, is completely, horrifically the opposite of of what God has created us to be, to shine a beautiful light in this world. But as we see out there, this design is under attack. Letter B, don't distance yourself because of your differences. Use them to get closer. Again, this whole passage is driven by the word submission. Um, sub, the prefix of sub, is to go under. But just think of the word submission, because you, know, you have sub, submarine, subtract, Always go under. But then think of the word mission. What is mission? The word mission means assignment. Go under because you have an assignment. That's what submission is. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ because you have an assignment. And what is assignment? is to make your mate stronger. Make your mate powerful. Make your mate effective. Make your mate secure. To build your mate up and make them stronger. So when you look at that, we're not supposed to uh, to, uh, distance ourselves away of our differences, but even enhance the differences that we have for the purpose, again, of connection. Let us see, don't let your differences break you, let them make you even stronger. When raising kids, our children needed both of us. They needed a father, and needed a mother. Even inside of our relationship, we needed a man, and we needed a woman. The the pieces of that carry a dynamic of what we were created for to accomplish a great purpose in this world. And even when you look at the great purpose, you see Christ compare the husband and wife relationship to what? Him and the church. People will know who Jesus Christ is when we have the relationship and wife taking the differences. And what does it do? It proclaims exactly who he uh, the relationship that Christ has. With a church, so for this reason, because you are different, male and female, you must leave. Leave. What does leave mean? Leave is means make marriage your priority. Number two in her notes means that marriage is your ultimate priority. Means leave is a careful to do nothing. Put nothing before your marriage. And if you put something before your marriage, destruction will take place. Just to give you a couple of examples. You put a career before your spouse, the chances are you will lose both of them. If you put recreation before your spouse, the chances are you will lose both of them. If you put your parents before your spouse, the chances are that you can lose both of them. If you put friends before your spouse, the chances are you can lose both of them. Even if you put yourself before your spouse, the chances are you can lose even both of them. If you put children before your spouse, the chances are you will lose both of them. Marriage is God's He put it in our hardware for effectiveness, for the purpose of blessing us. And then he gives us direction, leave, make it the ultimate priority, because when you make it the ultimate priority, everything else will be healthy. But if your marriage is not healthy, things will start to fade. Things will start to go away. In fact, when you look at the greatest argument, it's like, you know, it's all right to put your children before your mate, you know, when you're raising your children, because you only have them for so long. So you need to make sure you, you know, take investment all into your children. And so many people put their children before their mate. But what children are crying out in the world today is, please help mom and dad to love each other. They're crying out to the point is that don't put me in the front. The security and the backbone of who I am exists in who you are in your relationship with husband and wife. We cannot put our children before our mate. We must put our mate first for the, the, for the benefit of our children, for the survival of our children, for the good of our children, because our children don't want to be first. They want our mates to be first because that's when they provide them with everything that they need as individuals. Ephesians five twenty one. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and then the two shall become one flesh. For this reason, a man will leave, make it absolute priority, and you could be questioning, well, am I pri- have, is, is marriage my priority? Or your mate could be questioning, thinking, well, I don't think marriage is for my mate is, you know, he's making it a priority. I'm making it a priority, but she's not making it a priority, or she's making it a priority, but I'm not making it a priority. You know, it goes back and forth, and as you're going back and forth, we can ask the question, how do you know if marriage is priority? Um, you just ask your mate. If your mate says, I do believe that you treat marriage as priority, then you are treating marriage as priority. But if your mate says, I do not think that you treat our marriage as priority, do you know what? Then, That's the answer. It has to be the answer. Because if one side says it's not priority, then there is not priority. It must come from both sides. Is our marriage priority? Because the world and our children need this marriage to be priority. That is exactly what leave means. So we're breaking the word leave down. We'll just get into some basic things. Because remember, this is the first wedding that has taken place. Leave means leave geographically. And leaving geographically means you have a new place, you have a new home, you have a new family, you have a new unit, you have new traditions, you start new. One flesh relationship means that you're one flesh economically, you're one flesh emotionally, one flesh physically. It's one strong unit that you are creating. That's what the word leave means. And when you create that, it is when you move out and then are connected as husband and wife. We live in a world that we leave um, physically. In other words, we'll have a relationship with somebody, a sexual relationship with somebody, but, but we're not one flesh yet. We're not one flesh economically. We're not one flesh emotionally. We're just one flesh physically. Again, that is messing everything up. When you leave, you got to leave for the purpose of giving this one flesh the power that it then deserves. So, leave geographically. The there are things. Leave emotionally. Again, it says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother. Speaking specifically of the father and mother, what do you mean that we're supposed to leave our father and mother emotionally? Well, if you hate your parents, then you haven't left yet. If you have not forgiven your parents, you haven't left yet. If you say this is the way it always is done, and now I'm going to build this new home the way that it's always been done, then you have not left yet. If you make comments like, well, I despise church because my parents made me go to church every single weekend, therefore I'm not going to force my kids to go to church, it's also a statement that you have not left yet. There's still an emotional connection that you have had with, with your parents, and you're bringing it then into a relationship that you're going to have with your husband and wife. Now, think about this. Because we're both raised in two different areas, two different parents, two different ways, two different designs. Nothing is exactly the same. And then all of a sudden, two come together to make this one unit. Well, then there's conflict. And what's the conflict? Well, the way we used to always do it, the way that my parents did it. The, 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 the parents that, that hurt me and was, was gone, I'm going to bring that in there has to be a severing that takes place, an emotional severing that says, this is now a new unit. And the new unit, we're going to call our shots together. What do I mean by call our shots together? We're going to make our own traditions. We're going to do it the way that is going to be brand new because marriage is starting new. We're going to not do it the way either one of us have always done it, but we're going to be this new identity called one flesh inside of our marriage as we leave the emotional connections that are behind us, that that um, that were there to even um, create, to, that were even there to create us. So when we leave emotionally, it's extremely important to say this is brand new. We're going to be born again in this relationship, and this is going to be a new unit that is there. Um, leave emotionally. Number B is we also need to leave our parents relationally. Now again, you're thinking relationally, how are we supposed to leave our parents relationally, and why would we leave our parents relationally? Well, um, to just explain this, the three greatest arguments inside of a marriage is money, sex, and then in-laws. Those are the three greatest conflicts um, that that take place. What happens when one uh, 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 a child leaves and then gets married? is that they are no longer a unit of one, but they are a unit of one with two. In other words, the one flesh relationship is they're not, no longer an individual. Them themselves is no longer an individual. They are a party of one, but yet two people. And so when you look at this relationship, the relationship is a dynamic that the whole family goes through. In other words, when we give our children away, there's a dynamic that goes through us as well because we raised our children just as them. But no, there's no longer just as them. They're now them and another being one with being two. And there's a lot of emotional things that go with that because as parents, we could even want to respond. It's like, no, my daughter is my daughter. And the guy he married, oh, yeah, you know, I have my opinions about that. But the guy that she married is now a one-flesh relationship with them, and it makes the entire relationship dynamic different. And the process of even handing our children away, and don't worry, I'm going to have to do it too one of these days because I have two daughters that have yet to be married, so I'm working on it as well. The process of handing our daughters away and our sons away is a process where we're no longer going to look at our child as one, but we're going to look at them as a unit and we're gonna to respond to them as a unit because they are now a new unit, not of one, but a unit of two. Therefore, you have to embrace the two if you're even gonna hang on to the one because if you, do not, if you refuse to embrace the two, it's just gonna cut the heart out of your children. There has to be that process. We do need to leave relationally because everything changes relationally. The way that it changes relationally is that two becoming one flesh, is different than all of us. Number three, love is not a feeling that leads to actions. It is actions that lead to a feeling. We were created different to connect. We must leave our father and mother and be united with his wife because we are male and female starting an entirely new different unit. That difference, there is going to definitely be conflicts. But if again we look at the entire passage of where Paul is going, he says the words, submit to one another. He uses the words to the wives, wives submit. He uses the words to husbands, husbands love. In other words, die. Give yourself away. And if you give yourself away, what's going to happen? The marriage will thrive. The centerpiece of marriage is literally giving yourself away for the purpose of being a stronger unit for the impact of doing what? Bearing fruit. Bearing fruit in our children, but also bearing fruit in our country and then also in our world. When God was thinking about marriage, I think he just wanted to make powerful units scattered clear across the entire world for the purpose of bearing fruit that is reflecting his image. That's the design of marriage for the purpose to bear such fruit Therefore, the marriages have to have a focus. They have to be missional, and you have to be willing to sacrifice to make them good and strong so the world will see the image of God that he has. God, we just thank you so much, God, for your design for marriage. And and God, marriage is tough. We have to forgive a lot. We have to have lots of mercy. Uh, We have to sacrifice uh, a ton. But God, when we look at the cross and what you did for us, our sacrifice, God, is nothing. And we also know, God, that uh, we live as a result of your sacrifice. God, I just pray that inside of our marriages that we will see the sacrifice as a good thing because our wives live, our husbands live as a result of the sacrifice that is given. God, empower us, God, to be exactly the way that you were when you were on this earth, one who gave, one who served, one who loved. God, our marriages need to proclaim glory. And I just pray that you'd empower each marriage that's represented in this room to proclaim that glory. We love you in Christ's name, amen.